Okay, guys, we're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 to 12. And remember, 1 Thessalonians, Paul was addressing them because they were confused. They had some false teachers among them who were confusing them concerning people who had already died in Christ, Christians who had already died, and whether they were going to miss the second coming. And he also talks about the second coming. He talked about the rapture in the first letter. Now he's going to get right back to the issue, and we're going to see why he gets back to the issue here in the opening verses. But it's very important that you and I, in fact, this is why I chose to do First and Second Thessalonians, it is very important for you to be aware of what the Bible teaches about the second coming. And, and the reason why is this, is that there are so many people who are saying so many crazy things. And some of them should know better, and they're saying crazy things. And it's almost like, can I be honest with you, it's almost money-driven in some instances. Because you're going to buy their book. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or you're going to send money to them because they say this. I just, to be honest with you, would be very weary of being so quick when somebody tells you that something's about to happen. You have the Bible, but you need to know the Bible. That's why we're going through this. Don't even accept what I'm saying to you. Because you might be saying, well, that's okay, George. You're telling us not to listen to everybody else, but listen to you. No, 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 don't listen to me. You need to pay attention to what I'm saying, but then look at the Bible yourself and see if what I'm saying is true. Do you understand? Because you, you, you're not, do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have a head full, filled with mush. You do have brains. God gave you the ability to understand. And he's given you the Holy Spirit to help you to understand. And, and just because somebody's big doesn't mean they're right. In fact, there's a lot of big guys on the TV and on the radio, and I see you guys sharing their posts on Facebook, and I'm like, what are you doing sharing that guy? I'm just being honest with you. It's not wise. you got to pay attention. There's a lot more to it. So we're going to look here. We'll go through this letter together. First of all, we're going to look at the issue of the day of the Lord. Look with me, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, and that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? All right, so let's look a look here. What's going on here? First of all, Paul addresses the issue of the coming of Jesus Christ and the church's gathering to him, all right? So he addresses the issue of the, the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ, 
and the church is gathering to him. So he's going to go back to this issue. Now you're going to say, why? I thought he did a pretty good job in the last letter. Why is he re addressing this issue again? Which, can I be honest with you, the answer to that is the same reason why we're addressing it here again. Here's what was going on. He doesn't want them shaken. He doesn't want them to be unsettled or shaken by any supposed letter that came from him. What? Remember now, they didn't, here's the communication process. Back then, they didn't have email. Back then, they didn't have texting. Back then, they didn't even have a phone. You wrote a letter, and not everybody could write, and not everybody could read. You wrote a letter, or you dictated a letter, and then somebody carried that by foot to where you were. And it might take weeks or months to get to you. So obviously, this is six or seven months after the first letter. Obviously, he sent the first letter. But in the meantime, he's gotten a report that they are bothered again because they, quote, got a letter supposedly coming from Paul that he said some things about the second coming. And he wants to set that straight. He's telling them not to be shaken not to be unsettled by any supposed letter. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. Do you think that happens today, even with our mass communication that we have, that we get unsettled by the stuff that we hear? Who can give me an example of what we're talking about? Fake news. Okay, we call it fake news now, okay? What else? All right, how many remember the blood moon thing? John Hagee was on TV. Sorry, I mentioned his name. But there was more than just him. There was others who were talking about the four blood moons happening in the fall, the blood moons, and what the implications were for about Israel. And with the four blood moons, that means that something drastic is going to happen. Ooh. That was two years ago. The blood moons have come and gone. And was supposed to, and Hagee even said that he, the way he worded it left him an out that probably something happened would happen with Israel that was dramatic. Nothing happened with Israel that was dramatic in the last two years. I mean, they had the normal stuff, bombings and things like that, but nothing traumatic. Here's what I'm saying. Do you know how many books were bought talking about that? Do you know how many people posted about that? you know how many people were worried about the blood moons? Now, the problem is, is everybody's worried about the blood moons, but you don't find anywhere in the Bible that it talks about blood moons. Nowhere. In fact, the only time I hear it talk about moons is when Paul says, don't let anybody tell you to pay attention to new moons. The Jews used to pay attention to the new moons and the celebrations of the new moon and everything. If anything, Paul's saying, don't get all hooked up in the old Jewish stuff. Do you see what I'm saying? So, he doesn't want them to be shaken or unsettled by any supposed letter that came from him. And trust me, folks, every six months, it almost seems like it's a six-month period. Somebody is coming up with something new that's happening. 
You say, it seems to be getting worse. I'll tell you why it's getting worse. The internet makes it so much more accessible to get that garbage and to get it out there. But if you know your Bible, you're not going to be unsettled. Do you understand? So he's going to go over it with them again. This is why we go over it, okay? Because you have to know it in order that you don't get unsettled. So here's what happens. This supposed letter was claiming that the day of Christ has come. So this letter, supposedly from Paul, was saying that Jesus had already come. Isn't that interesting? So this supposed letter was claiming that the day of Christ has come. They were not to let anyone deceive them concerning the timing of Jesus' coming. Don't let anyone deceive you concerning the timing. Listen, folks. When Jesus Christ comes back, you don't need to wonder if he did show up or not. You're going to know. Because if you're a believer, when he comes back, he takes you. That's called the rapture. When he comes back in the second coming, he's executing judgment on this world. And the scripture says the nations will see him and mourn. The whole world will know that Jesus showed up. Do you understand? The whole world. And how do you know that? Because the because you know the word of God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You know the word of God. All right. So he states that before Jesus come, there will be a falling away that takes place. All right. Now here's one of the things that he introduces to us. He wants us to be aware that before Jesus shows up, there will be a falling away that will take place. Now, what in the world is he talking about, George? A falling away. Well, the phrase that he's using here is used in other places in the Bible. And here's what it refers to. The falling away refers to Christians who will leave the faith and become apostates. Now you say, wait a minute, George, I, I think I got a problem with that. How can anybody lose their salvation? I didn't say they lost their salvation. What it's saying here is, is that there will be a large number of people who come to our churches. As we get closer to the latter times, they will decide to leave. Because, all right, so that you understand, does everybody recognize that not everybody who comes to church or calls himself a Christian is truly a Christian? Does everybody recognize that? Not everybody who comes, not everybody who's been baptized is saved. Not everybody who prayed a prayer is saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? The prayer doesn't save you. Faith saves you. People can go through actions. Do you understand? It's faith that saves you. And as we get closer to the time, Paul says that there will be a great falling away. A great falling away. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Do you realize how many Christians there are in the world today? Anybody know? Anybody know a number? Want me to give it to you? There's two to three billion people who claim to be Christians today in America. I mean, not in America, in the world. You know what I'm saying? In the world. As we get closer, there's going to be a great falling away. A great falling away. 
Even in this country, there's going to be a great falling away. Okay? Great falling away. So, if you want a verse to see where the phrase is used again, because maybe you're not convinced, I gave you a verse there, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Here's what it says, For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, having tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, there's that word fall away, that is become apostate, to renew themselves to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. So you'll notice there, I put a biblical note in your notes talking about falling away. All right? Falling away. So this is saying here, what's he, what is the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying that those who walk away from the Christian faith and become apostate, you know, it says for itself. Look what I, he's going to say also, that here's another thing. You're going to see a great falling away. Then the next thing you're going to see is, is the Antichrist is revealed. Look with me at verses 3 through 4. And the Son of Man is revealed, the Son of Perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above that is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So the next, the Son of Man, the Antichrist, is revealed. So before Jesus Christ comes back, we're going to see that there's a great falling away, and you're going to see that the son of the son of perdition, the Antichrist, is going to be revealed. Okay, that has to take place before Jesus Christ comes back. All right, that has to take place. The Antichrist is also known as the son of perdition or the son doomed to destruction. That's what perdition means. It means doomed to destruction. So he's known as the one who's doomed. He's doomed. Now, here's what the Antichrist does. The Antichrist opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or worshipped. The Antichrist proclaims that he is God and sets himself up in the temple. Now, stop for a moment. You say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, George. What temple? There's no temple. Anybody know of a temple, Jewish temple today? We know of synagogues. Does anybody know there's a, is there a Jewish temple today in Jerusalem? No, not yet. Notice Bruce said, yeah, but there is one coming. So you notice there in your notes, I gave you a biblical note concerning the third temple. The first temple was the temple built by Solomon. The second temple was built by Zerubbabel and then renovated by King Herod. The third temple is yet to come. But the Antichrist will set himself up as God in the temple. Now, in verse 5, Paul asked the Thessalonians if they don't remember his teaching concerning this. Okay, stop for a moment. That's a good question. So everything I just shared with you ain't new information. How many of you have heard what I have just shared before? Yeah, a lot of you. Okay. 
So, why are we going over it again? Because you got to be reminded. Because it's not like something you're keeping on the forefront of your mind. Well, this got to take place. This got to. I mean, I know there's people who are like that, but you got to be reminded because if you don't get reminded, hey, blood moons. something to think about. Now, talking about the Antichrist, just want to let you know, next week, we're going to spend two weeks talking about the Antichrist, because I thought this would be a good place to stop, and we're going to talk about the Antichrist from the Scripture. Remember, we, we took a pause and talked about the rapture from the Scripture in 1 Thessalonians? We're going to take two weeks and take a pause for you to understand the issue of the Antichrist. Now, Can I give you a warning as a pastor? The Antichrist has yet to be revealed. Now, through the years, there have been a lot of discussion as to who the Antichrist was. Can I tell you some of the suggestions? One of the suggestions was Martin Luther, which we're going to be celebrating the 500th year anniversary of the Reformation. The other suggestion was Pope Leo at his time. Since then, Adolf Hitler, Saddam Hussein, Mao Zedong, Paul Pot. Anything notice something about all those guys? They're all dead. Ronald Reagan. George Herbert Walker Bush. Bill Clinton. Barack Obama. Donald Trump. Every president we have is identified as the Antichrist. I'm just being honest with you. Okay? Just being honest with you. Now, here's the thing. Does it really matter at this point that we try to figure out who the Antichrist is? Can I be honest with you? No. Because you're not going to do anything about it. It has already been determined. He is already set for his destruction. You need to understand that. Also remember that you have been promised that you will not endure the hour of trial. Does anybody know what the hour of trial is? The tribulation. You were promised that you would not endure the hour of trial that is to come upon the whole world. That's the rapture. The Antichrist will make war against the people of God during the tribulation. Do you understand? During the tribulation. So you need to understand that. So why am I saying that? Well, I'm saying that, first of all, don't get caught up in trying to figure out who he is. Although you might start seeing tendencies... John says, 1 John, that there are many antichrists. But there's only one antichrist. What do you mean antichrist? Small a, not big a. There are many like him. Like, for instance, Kim Jong-un. Everybody know about Kim Jong-un? He definitely is an antichrist type figure. And it's not because he threatened to throw missiles here at the U.S. That doesn't make you an antichrist if you want to throw missiles at the U.S. But let me tell you what makes him an antichrist. He claims to be a god. The people of North Korea see him as a god. He also makes war and kills Christians. The most severe persecution that is taking place, if to be a Christian in North Korea is to have a death sentence. That is Antichrist. Do you understand? You know what I pray? Remove him, Lord. 
Even if you can put some other communists in there, but remove him. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm not worried about missiles coming here. That's not what I'm saying. He's antichrist. He kills your brothers and sisters in Korea. Did you understand what I'm saying? Here's the other thing I would say to you is we're going to talk about the Antichrist a little bit later. Be careful who you worship as your leaders. Be careful. I don't care what party you're from because I've seen them on both ends. No man is that good or powerful. Only if you're a believer, who should you be worshiping? Jesus. And at some point, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to present people with a choice. Worship me or worship Jesus. And the question is, is are you going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel? O king, our God can deliver us, but if not, we're not going to bow down to you. Do you understand? Just something to think about. So let's go on. Let's look at verses 6 through the end of the chapter. The mystery of lawlessness. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. For only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one, according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. For this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is talking about the Antichrist, and this is talking about what's going to happen in the future, folks. And it's it's talking about those who follow him. So let's take a look here. This is why I'm saying you've got to be careful about who you worship as a leader. Okay? Paul reminds them that there is a restraining so that the Antichrist is revealed in his time. There's a restraining going on right now. God is allowing things to happen for a certain reason up to this point, and right now there's a restraining that is not allowing the Antichrist to be revealed. Okay? Because once that revelation takes place, things are set in motion that go to the judgment and coming of Christ. So there's a restraining going on. All right? Now, The mystery of lawlessness is already at work for the revelation of Antichrist. The mystery of lawlessness. Folks, it's already at work. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. What do you mean? Here's what I need you to understand. Everything that is happening in this world is moving towards one event. The revelation of the man, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, and ultimately the tribulation, and then the coming of Christ. Everything is moving to that end. You need to understand that. You need to get that into perspective. When you look at what's happening in the world, when you even look at what's happening in our country, you need to understand everything is moving, the mystery of lawlessness is moving in this world right now. Do you need to understand that? 
Paul stresses that the restrainer will continue his work until he is removed. Okay, stop for a moment. What is he talking about? First of all, who do you think the restrainer is? I hear whispers. I hear Somebody be bold and speak up so the Holy Spirit. I may agree with Bruce, Holy Spirit. When did the Holy Spirit come? Pentecost. And that time since then has been the church age. When will the church age end? When will the church age end? The tribulation. It'll end when the rapture takes place, when the church is taken away. Right now, the Holy Spirit is within believers. And he's at work in our world. And he's restraining evil. You say, well, he's not doing a good job. Folks, he's restraining evil. Because you don't even understand what evil is until the tribulation happens. Do you understand? He's restraining evil. And he will... He will continue this work until he's removed. How is the Holy Spirit removed? We are removed. The church is removed. Do you understand? We are raptured. We go to be with him. Does that mean he's not going to do a work in here again? No. He's going to continue to do his work. People are going to still get saved during the tribulation, but not as many as they were during the church age. But I want you to listen to me. But he's going to do his work just like he did in the Old Testament. You see the points where the Spirit showed up in the Old Testament, right? People still had faiths. People still believed in what was to come. All right? So, when the restrainer is removed, the Antichrist will be revealed. When the restrainer is removed, the Antichrist will be revealed. Revelation tells us that he will be worshipped, he will be loved. People will think he is totally awesome, that he can do anything. He is God. Sane people who should who should know better will think that. Why? Well, we see some reasons why here Paul tells us. Stresses that the Lord will consume and destroy the Antichrist at his coming. He's just going to let you know, just so you know, that this guy is one bad dude, but this one bad dude is going to be destroyed. He's going to be judged. Why do you think he needs to tell us that? Hope. You and I need to have a hope that there's something better coming. And that evil will be dealt with in this world. The coming of the Antichrist will be supported by the works of Satan and deception. Satan is going to empower this guy... And there's going to be supernatural things that people are going to be like, ooh, wow, wow. Satanic power is going to be exhibited. Now, satanic power is not more powerful than God. Just want you to understand that. But it's all to deceive the unsaved. Because I want you to understand something. When we enter into the tribulation, that seven-year period is when God pours out his wrath of judgment upon the world. The opportunity to be saved, while there will be those who will get saved during the tribulation, the opportunity for the world to turn to Jesus is now. For your friends and family to turn to Jesus is now. 
Unbelievers will be deceived by the Antichrist because they did not believe the truth. This is why they're going to believe him, because they refuse to believe the truth. Do you understand? God confirms their unbelief and acceptance of the Antichrist with a strong delusion. They're going to see a strong delusion that's going to confirm that they, you know, and one of the ultimate ways that they will confirm their death sentence is that they will receive his mark. We see that in the book of Revelation. God does this so that they will be condemned for unbelief and the rejection of truth. Basically, they're going to be locked in. Do you know what I'm saying? You ever had that happen before you before? You know, you're maybe doing something and you accidentally click the wrong box on the computer and you're locked in and you can't go back and change it. This is like that. You can't, once you are here, you're going to be locked into your unbelief during that tribulational period. Next week, we're going to start two weeks looking at the issue of the Antichrist.